hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod. I am Charlie, joined by Reed as always. Reed, we got some big news today, um, and it's not just because of this Utah preview. Do you want to update everybody on this situation? Yeah, so we're recording right now, uh, kind of late Tuesday afternoon, I guess 5 p.m. Pacific or a little after that. Um, and obviously the news is is Micah Pittman, uh, kind of co-starting receiver and punt returner, uh, has, I guess, not technically entered the transfer portal yet at this time, but uh, it definitely seems like things are strongly moving in that direction. He's been on Twitter um, kind of hinting at it. His dad has outright had tweets that have said, you know, peace Oregon. Um, his brothers tagged him in, in tweets to go to USC. So uh, it seems like yeah, and I mean, Portal he, he is where it's a, heading at least. And, a farewell and USC is today as well on Instagram. Like, it's over. You, right. By the time right. you hear this, he may have already officially declared for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the correct reaction to have to this is uh, not to bash the guy for any reason. Like you're not going to gain anything by calling him not a team player or anything like that. Just be happy for him. Like let him move on. It's whatever. Uh, Yeah. He wasn't, he was being underutilized in his eyes. And I think in a lot of, you know, our eyes as well. Uh, But Reed, I think the timing of this is what has a lot of people pretty confused. I mean, the rankings just came out. Usually that's what we lead with. Um, it, it's very odd to have such a big role on the number three team in the country and still not be satisfied with what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I think that, uh, you know, I, I agree with the stuff that you said completely. Uh, I don't have any issue with the decision of his or, or in general um, to transfer. And, and I wish him the best. And I uh, am, you know, happy of the with the time that he spent at Oregon he he did some good things uh and obviously you know was underutilized at times and and maybe didn't live up to all of the potential that people thought uh might be there for his Oregon career but um I think the frustrating thing for for everyone is kind of hey look we we got a big game this weekend as we're about to dive into uh Oregon is nine and one number three in the playoff rankings. Um, it's, you know, it's a big moment for the program. And uh, who knows, it's it's his decision to make, right? But I think um, there's a feeling just like, you know, this is when we need everyone on board. We're, you know, Oregon's trying to make a playoff push here. Mm-hmm. And um, and to bow out at this point is, is just a bit... Uh, unfortunate and head scratching some people have said you know you're trying to get your roster spot locked in you want to get out before uh programs start to finalize roster decisions in the early signing period and stuff and and maybe that's the case i think i guess that's fair in some sense and again it's his decision so um you know wish him the best certainly but uh Yeah. yeah it's it's kind of a kind of tough it's an it's analogous to uh the Sh- brennan schooler situation that happened mm-hmm. in 2019 um and and especially again micah you know he's not a full-time starter uh he's he's but he plays a good chunk he plays he's in a kind of 
five-man rotation uh, and plays as much as a lot of those guys uh, behind Devin Williams. He, he plays splits with Jalen Red pretty much. So mm-hmm. to hit, he, he's a big, big contributor. Yeah, definitely. Obviously returns punts as well. Uh, a lot of Oregon fans, including both of us, uh, would like to see maybe Seven McGee fill that role. Um, if and more like when Micah does depart, uh, I believe he wasn't at practice today either, which, yeah, that's a that's a pretty strong indicator in case you had any doubt remaining. Um, overall, does this raise any questions for you about, like, the way Mario runs his program or anything? I mean, we've had we've seen similar concerns before this season a little bit with Robbie Ashford like I know his mom was active on Twitter quite a bit um seems like you know accusing coaches and stuff of deception things like this you know I think what a lot of people are just discovering is that uh you know a lot of promises that get made in recruiting don't happen especially at a place like Oregon where the competition is so intense every week uh in practice but does this raise any questions for you at all about this staff or anything that they do in recruiting or anything like that? Uh, I think it's the nature of it now, right? I think um, in recruiting, you always have to, I mean, you know, you're doing a sales job at the end of the day. And uh, I think, well, Cristobal and the staff try to approach it with honesty. Um, Of course, you're talking to a guy with that much talent, you're going to say oh you can do all this stuff here uh and sometimes that doesn't pan out um i think that especially this year with ab and we've talked about it at length you know he he is a limiting factor in this offense particularly uh and obviously the the position group that that hurts the most is going to be the receivers um and some of the their potential production uh so i think uh, that's that's how I feel about it. I think the promises have to be made right. Uh, that's just the nature of recruiting. And we don't know exactly what they are. We don't know exactly how this interaction happened between between Micah and Cristobal whenever the ultimate conversation was had. But um, mm-hmm. I think hope, the hope is you move on from Anthony Brown, you get someone like Ty Thompson in there or whoever it is and the offense opens up, you get the passing offense going, and you're able to utilize all of the great receiver weapons that have been recruited. So I think until I see that change at quarterback and things not be better, not be fixed, not have more productive production from receivers, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to be worried about it. Um, as we move, as we inch closer to actually previewing Utah in this episode, um, I don't I don't, maybe you feel differently, but I don't really feel this specific issue with Micah like affecting anything that happens on the field going forward, especially in this game because, as you may know, Utah is pretty good at defending the pass. Um, and considering that we've run for over 300 yards in our past two games, each of our past two games, uh, it seems pretty likely that we'll see a similar rushing attack rather than... Uh, getting people open downfield. And the other part is, I mean, we do have that litany of talent in the receiver room. Uh, also had Kevin Coleman on campus last week. A lot of people are pointing to that. I Again, that I don't think that's related to the Micah situation at all. Um, but it is like, 
from a fan perspective, it's kind of ironic almost that the timing comes right after Coleman is the only guy on an official visit uh, to Oregon. Uh, and he seemed to enjoy it quite a bit as well. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think that's definitely uh, uh, interesting thing and i i don't think that that's what caused micah's transfer at all but at the same time you're you're making spots on a roster and of course you know you lose one guy that could mean that it gives you a chance to add someone like kevin coleman um or gives you an added need there uh i think in terms of recruiting uh another thing that that this made me think about is um and I invite people to do this while we go along. Pull up the 2019 Oregon recruiting class right now. Uh, and you can go through the offensive guys on this class. And this ties into some a conversation we've been having throughout the season, especially when things were struggling, is what is this offense built on right now? It's built on uh, a lot of classes that aren't as good as the ones that are coming in. I guess I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Um and essentially that the offense at Oregon is is slated to improve because the talent is going to improve over the next few years. Um, so you pull up that class now, and it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. 2019, huge class for Oregon, ranked seventh in the country. Um, top offensive player on the class, Jonah Tauanu'u, offensive tackle, retired. Yeah. Uh, medically retired. Micah Pittman, transferred. Lance Wilhoyt hasn't played at all. Um, still with the program, I think, technically, but we really haven't seen him on the field at all. Sean Dollars, injured. Josh Delgado, played a lot, or play, has played a decent bit in his first two years, hasn't played really at all this season. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this injury gives him a chance to play. I, I don't know what the situation is there. I have seen him on the practice squad and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're going through, I mean, that's what the first five there we haven't seen anything from them this year except for micah who's now gone uh and a lot of them are done sala uh is playing obviously a tackle or sixth highest rated guy in that class next is patrick herbert these are all offensive guys yeah yeah these are offensive guys yeah yeah Yeah. it's a great great defensive class you have mikhail cave on mace that's what made the class yeah um and then Patrick Herbert, another four-star you have on there. He's injured right now. Yep. Kale Millen, gone. <laughs> Kale Millen, Javon Wilson, gone. Uh, J.R. Waters, gone. Wow. And that's it. You brought in a transfer, Jawan Johnson, who played one year uh, and is gone. So wow. <laughs> that's, I mean, that kind of tells you the situation pretty much. You have a class that's supposed to be your junior class right now on offense and basically all <laughs> Oregon is getting from that class is Sala. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> but yeah. it does go to show like in college, how quickly attrition can happen within the roster. Um, and obviously the COVID year had a big, you know, deal to do with this. We may have seen a lot more of these guys um, that we mentioned. Don't get much playing time over the course of a real season last year. Who knows? Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and, and some some of them like Dollars or or Patrick Herbert have a chance to kind of be productive in in the future here. But also a few of those guys don't seem like they really. Yeah. I mean, a few of them are retired or transferred. Uh, most of them, really. So 
that's a great point. I'm yeah. really glad you brought up this exercise. Um, Cause yeah, man, that's, that's actually crazy out of the 10 plus names we just mentioned, like very, I mean, literally none of them are like actually playing right now other than, than Sala. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, but what's also interesting is the fact that despite all that attrition, we still have a pretty solid offense here. Um, and this kind of ties into another point I would like to make. You mentioned earlier, like about AB's limitations, throwing the ball. Um, that's a very, you know, we've made that point time and time again. And so have many others, uh, the last couple weeks I've been trying to emphasize what he does well rather than what he doesn't do well. Um, and I'd just like to point out that this could be a whole lot worse in this offensive situation. Like, I think the reality mm-hmm. is just that as Duck fans, we've been super, super blessed with super talented quarterbacks, um, or at least guys who fit insane offenses super well. I'm thinking of like Darren Thomas with Chip Kelly, um, or even Masoli mm-hmm. for that matter. Like, is Anthony Brown better than Masoli? I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but I mean, I, I think he is, right? Yeah, damn close. <laughs> and um, pretty damn close with Masoli. Not to being like where we are now as a program, but I mean, people love Masoli. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it's just different time, obviously. Yeah. Um, making the Rose Bowl that year felt a lot more gratifying than I think fans would feel like <laughs> it is now. Kind of shows how far the program's come, I guess. Um, but also remember, I mean... We all know what happened the year after Masoli left, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. Not a perfect comparison, but there are some there are some parallels. Michael James, Byron Cardwell. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. there are also a lot of parallels to uh, a year we've already mentioned so far, twenty nineteen. Um, Reed, this is pretty much the exact same situation as when we last visited a Pac-12 South uh, school late in the season. Same mm-hmm. game week, um, same ranking essentially, or like same meaning, like if we went out, we're in the playoff, right? Um, yeah, it felt a little less certain then, but now it really feels certain. Yeah. And it ended up being true then. Yeah. I exactly. thought it was, but it, but we need a little more help, but yeah. Um, same record at the time, and I think... Mm-hmm. Same, if not better, caliber of opponent that we're playing. Uh, I'm referring, of course, to the lost Arizona State in 2019, comparing it to this Utah team. And read, I did a little research today, and I just kind of went back um, and kind of looked at that game one more time. Because, again, there are a lot of parallels between that one and this one. And I just remembered, I remember how I felt during the game, right? It, it felt like wow, we really let this thing get away from ourselves. We still feel like we're the better team, um, but we just didn't really have enough time to pull it all together, and then the, the third and 16 happens. So I, I dove through some like advanced stats through it too because I was actually interested. That's not something I was looking at, and I don't think you were either in 2019. Um, if you had to guess, no. <laughs> if you had to guess, what do you think the post-game win expectancy was for Oregon in this game? Um, yeah, if I just had to guess, I don't know. I mean, my memory of it was Ducks kind of got, put themselves in a tough position. Um, 
and then kind of fought back and and it had just lowered their margin of error so much and then yeah third and 16 um anyways i thought it would have been pretty even uh is how I felt like it. I felt like ASU controlled stretches and then we controlled stretches. So I, I would have put it, what, close to 50. I was 50. thinking the same thing, but the number that popped up for me was Oregon 76% win expectancy. Um, wow. Of course, that that essentially comes from like how many successful plays you run versus how many you don't during the game. Um, the difference obviously being that Arizona State uh, – Arizona State's successful plays were more important ones, like the third and 16, like the other 50-plus yard mm-hmm. touchdown they had, like the two picks that Justin Herbert throws in Oregon territory in that game. Oh, God. That, that ASU was able to turn into points. Um, there was, again, the uh, a part I totally forgot about from this game. We, we were at fourth and one on the Arizona State 6 early in the game, I think it was the first quarter, and we ran for it and missed it. Verdell got stuffed at the line. Um, you know, again, similar to the Stanford game earlier this yeah. year, like, it's right there. You just got to not make stupid mistakes or just kick the field goal. Um, so essentially what, what I'm getting at from looking at this game is in this type of game, in this type of pressure, in this scenario, as long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, I think we're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm still confident in saying that. I understand Utah's the favorite by like two points, three points, whatever. I'm, I still firmly believe we are the better team heading into this game week. Are you, are we mm-hmm. on board with that? Yeah, I think it's worth saying that this Utah team is is probably a bit better than that Arizona State team, but also that Arizona State delivered a really good performance that day. Um and they on Yeah, on that on that day they were they were uh, a pretty good team as well. Um but yeah, yeah, I know I agree. Um I made the point earlier on Twitter. I think uh a lot of models have this game as as Utah um you know, as a as a two or three point favorite like you said, uh, as does Vegas and I think for me I um I guess I my why I disagree with that is is because of what people sometimes refer to as scaling issues, basically like how, uh, how does your, how do your numbers adapt to playing a higher level of competition? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of it. The issue here is, is Oregon is, uh, Oregon's pretty good when they're playing anyone, uh, or pretty even when they're playing anyone. They, they play as many fans have noticed, you know, they, they win close against Ohio State, and they've also won close against Cal and, and a bunch of other teams, right? Um, and so they kind of hold teams to to what they do, and, and their scheme, both offensively and defensively, is designed to kind of try to win games, uh, you know, in the mid-30s to the mid-20s, basically. It happens a lot of times, it feels like, mm-hmm. uh, or something around there. So I think... Um, I have a lot more confidence in Oregon's ability to perform uh, in that kind of good on good matchup 
than I do in Utah's, who I think has, has shown some difficulty doing that. Um, one stat from, from Utah fans is I think, uh, I think Utah only has one win in the Whittingham era against a team, or not in the Whittingham era, but since they moved to the Pac-12, mm. I believe it is, uh, against a team that finished the year ranked. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's, if it's not, it's something like that. Um, I know it's only one. It, it might be since like 2014 and not since the Pac-12, but either way, it's, it, 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 they don't get those wins very much. And maybe that says more about the Pac-12 than it does about them. But, um, but that's a good point because it still kind of brings up the, the general attitude about Utah as a whole, right? Like, I saw a poll today on Twitter that I thought was very interesting. I think it was from at Pac-12 Fight Club, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it basically <laughs> asked, like, who is Oregon fans? Like, who are your biggest rivals in the South? Um, and the options were, like, Utah, USC, like, Arizona State, and, like, somebody else. I don't know. They got no votes. Um, and it was funny because I voted USC, but – it was USC ended up being like 30% or so. And Utah ended up being like the majority favorite in the poll. And I was like, huh? So I go to the comments and all the replies are from duck fans. And they all say like, who's voting on this? Like USC is definitely our main (laughs) rival in the South. Like I, a bunch of Utah fans, I think are voting on this and like other PAC 12 fans, because it's a general PAC 12 account. And it kind of goes back to the perception that Utah is not, it still doesn't feel like they're really part of this like Pac-12 club, you know what I mean? And it'll take a really long time for that to happen, I think. And part of that is they've never actually won the Pac-12, despite being in it for so many times. Utah is that team that will consistently beat up on the Pac-12's worst, but then when they come up to their ultimate test, and 2019 was the perfect metaphor for this, they fall, they fall down and it doesn't work out for them. Um, and I think that's a big, you know, that stat exemplifies it perfectly. Like Utah fans, a lot of times, and we know a lot of nice Utah fans, I'm not shitting on everyone here. Uh, but a lot of times they kind of think they're the shit, uh, cause they might have a good record or something, but at the end of the day, it's more so a product of beating up on worse teams than like winning big games this was the other thing and this i'll I'll shut up about this point after this uh little uh chris peterson era you dub to that as well um not really having any big wins just kind of consistently plowing through the the bottom feeders in the pac-12 so yeah yep yep i mean that's the story i not many people in this conference have gotten a big win uh at all yeah. in the past like <laughs> 10 years like usc's rose bowl over penn state was a big win i guess uh and then other people's are like beating oregon uh or yeah yeah <laughs> or or upsetting another one of those teams who didn't beat anyone um yeah. But Oregon's versus Ohio State versus Michigan State are, and then in, in some bowl games are the biggest ones for this conference uh, outside of that USC Rose Bowl, I think, pretty by pretty large margin. Um, 
Do you want to dive into this specific Utah team now? Yeah, let's do it. Utah started off this season 1-2 and two in non-conference play. They beat Weber State, pretty convincingly, obviously. Then they lose at BYU and at San Diego State. And that San Diego State loss, I believe, was like triple overtime or something like that. Um, it was kind of a crazy game. Uh, but there is a little bit of background to this. Um, and it deals with their quarterback situation. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who were they starting early on and then benched him? Was it Charlie Brewer? Yeah, it was Charlie Brewer, uh, former Baylor guy, and just was not was not getting it done. Uh, and yeah, the move made the move to Rising, and a, a lot changed there. Um, obviously, there's also kind of the off the field stuff with the player deaths, were a big story have been a big storyline for Utah this year, mm-hmm. uh, and something that I think they've kind of rallied around since then. So. They certainly are a better team uh, than they were early in the season. Um, I think things kind of turn around once once Rising gets plugged in, uh, and you see a, a pretty big win at USC, which at the time, kind of, I think they maybe delivered the final knockout blow to USC, uh, where team where we officially realized that they were not good, um, but it was still a big result, and then. And then Utah turns around and falls it up and delivers a huge win in the South against the Arizona State team that a lot of people felt like was starting to creep into a top 15 level team at the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and that night, Arizona State comes out to early lead. I think it's 21-7 at half, and Utah delivers 28 unanswered mm-hmm. in the second half. Um, Mind you, was, this week, you're talking about week seven, um, Mm-hmm. It, during the the week after this, uh, people were starting to kind of put Utah either on the same level as Oregon or even above Oregon and like Pac-12 power rankings and stuff. Because this is the week where we came off a bye after the loss to Stanford and we kind of almost shat the bed against Cal. Um, <laughs> and then from there... That's I a mean, good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. UCLA, Colorado, UW, and Wazoo games those four weeks since then, uh, Oregon's done a little bit more to prove themselves, I think, than this Utah team has, uh, especially considering Utah kind of got the floor wiped with them uh, by Oregon State in week eight right after that. Yep. Yep. That was their moment, as as has happened to everyone on this conference now, some more than others, uh, where they kind of got knocked off their pedestal. Um and so that was a pretty big hit for them. Uh, Oregon State at the time looked really good. Kind of they've fallen off a little bit, but Oregon State's a different team at home, and they were at home that game. Um, so not the not the worst loss in the world, obviously, uh, especially coming from Ducks fans. I don't think we can be too harsh on it. Uh, but they've had some good performances since then, kind of up and down. Beat USCLA handily with Garbers playing. Um, beat Stanford by a ton, but McKee's out, and that Stanford team was a total shell of itself. Uh, and then they have a head-scratching, struggling performance against Arizona last week, which mm-hmm. we talked about on the on the pod at, on Saturday, and I think um, that was confusing. 
Oregon's done it though this year too, uh, especially early on. They've done it where they they played around with teams that they shouldn't have, um, but still a confusing result and not really on brand for Utah. So that was part of what made it a bit puzzling as well. Exactly. Um, I mean, you usually don't see things like special teams errors and block punts happening to Utah. Usually, that's the kind of stuff they like like to emphasize and nail down. I mean it's the type of team where their talent is not going to beat you as much as, you know, outside of a few outstanding players. uh, They just are a really smart football team, really well-coached football team. Um, And for whatever reason, that wasn't really the case last week. It's kind of interesting. Duck fans may remember a certain blocked punt, though, against Utah that was uh, pretty relevant relevant the last time we played them. Um, Oh, yeah. So overall, as we mentioned, the Utes are two and a half point favorites. A lot of that probably due to um, the crowd. This game is obviously being played in Salt Lake. Their crowd is yeah. pretty well renowned at this point for being one of the best in the Pac-12. Um, Oregon certainly had some tense moments in that stadium before, even in the the, the terrible years of the Helfrich era, which was honestly more funny than anything looking back at it considering like Darren Carrington's role in that game and then his subsequent transfer and everything like I don't know it's just kind of more ironic than anything now but um what are you looking at from this Utah team where where are they most vulnerable and then like where are they maybe most dangerous yeah so I think for me um the big opportunity for Oregon to kind of control this game uh, is just a master class from Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that's like, that's kind of the get out of jail free card for Oregon. If, <laughs> if he just takes this game over, um, and I think that he can, given there's some injuries on the offensive line. I forget if we brought that up already. No, we have. Um, uh, so Nick Ford and, uh, their starting left guard will be healthy for the game. He left the game against Arizona early. But their starting center, Paul Maley, uh, is doubtful because he was seen in crutches after the Arizona game. As we did mention, Kyle Whittingham doesn't, he, he's done giving injury updates this season. He, like, that's a direct quote. He's not giving any more injury <laughs> updates. Um, presumably because the, uh, this guy, Paul Maley, is going to be out. Um, and although he's on the interior part of the line, uh, they also have uh, their, one of their starting corners, Fabian Marks, or Fabian, Fabian, I don't know how you say that, uh, was in a boot, I believe. So he will also be unavailable, and they're already missing a starting corner from earlier this year. So they are pretty banged up. But yes, on the O-line especially, they are they are banged up. Yeah, so I think that um, that's the opportunity for Oregon to kind of do exactly what they did in 2019. I mean, I, that game uh, was kind of... For me, we, we saw flashes of Kayvon in 2019 the whole year. Mm-hmm. But in that fourth quarter, um, and even earlier, he had the block punt that we referenced. But uh, in that fourth quarter, it was just like, oh, my God, this guy is just teeing off on every play. Like, mm-hmm. he, it feels like there's a 75% chance he's going to get a sack on any given snap. Um, you got like four seconds was, or less to get rid of the ball. <laughs> Yeah, it was 
absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and so that I think having that type of dominance again, obviously would, uh, go a long way in putting this game out of reach. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, yeah, I, I think that would be, that's the, easiest path and obviously organize some other pieces too that and just that interior line whether it's doorless popo all those guys really asserting their dominance early on in this game and just establishing a physical advantage uh i think is one thing that that the models and stuff can't quite account for mm-hmm. um you know they do all this stuff but ultimately it's just like look utah has not played a team as physical as oregon in the front seven Uh, and as talented as Oregon in the front seven. And if the Ducks just go out there and push them around, uh, that that gap is going to be pretty sizable potentially. Yep. I'm going to drop the Richard Johnson quote from earlier this year. It's been a few weeks since we brought this up, but uh, the game of football reads about blocking and tackling. And (laughs) if if Oregon can avoid getting blocked and avoid getting tackled, I think we're going to be fine. Um Tackling on defense is probably the biggest concern for me. Uh, We've seen some, like a little bit of sloppiness in that regard. A lot of it obviously due to rotations and depth and things like this. Bennett Williams was one of our best tacklers, for example, and we all know he's done for the time being. Um, As we mentioned, Sewell didn't have a tackle last week. A lot of that was due to scheme, but, you know, still, there were a couple missed ones by the team overall. Um, So I think that's a big one. But uh, also worth mentioning is Utah's running back was out against Arizona last week. And again, because Whittingham is done giving us injury updates, maybe mark him down as questionable. Um, So that's something to keep an eye out out for. Yeah, exactly. It it seems maybe likely that he'll play, but um, at the same time, you just don't know. Could, Could there even be a snap? count limitation whatever it is um and he's a huge part of their offense has been this year so any kind of you know injury there is uh a big storyline yeah. uh, could hurt them a lot they have they have some capable backs behind him but he's clearly kind of the the best back in that room he being tavion thomas um yeah yeah i feel like i should mention that um but something you brought up a little bit and that i would like to expand on is what separates Oregon from the rest of the Pac-12, right? Other than just saying things like recruiting talent and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's dominating the line of scrimmage, right? It's how we won the game yep. against Ohio State. It's how we've been able to run through the entire, well, <laughs> almost the entire Pac-12 slate this year unscathed. Um, I don't see why Oregon can't dominate the line of scrimmage once again against this team. I understand Utah's a little better than some other teams we've been seeing recently especially along like the defensive line but uh overall i'm much more confident in this o-line than i was earlier this year or when the season started and we were circling this game um and i'm much more confident in honestly the defensive line too uh the linebackers are a little bit different story just because of the injuries but overall i mean i have no problem with this front seven or like it's been a front six recently um, and their ability to stifle Utah's run game. Uh, and if that happens, I think it's pretty much curtains for this Utah team. Like, knock on Well, I think, 
Yeah, I think especially, uh, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said about Kayvon, I think uh, if you're able to start, start, if you're able to stop the run game to begin with of Utah, that's what opens the door, too, for Kayvon to become dominant in pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I yeah, I think you make a good point. I, I mean, the Richard Johnson quote just says so much. It's about <laughs> blocking and tackling. Like, <laughs> and Oregon has, in a lot of the matchups uh, this year, proven to just be the better team at that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're in a good position to do that again. Now I will say um, Utah does have a, a pretty scary, legit tackler uh, on their yes. team, a few, but, but Devin Lloyd is the guy who stands out at linebacker. Uh, probably odds on favorite right now to win defensive player of the year. Maybe you make a case for cave on in the pack 12. This is, yeah, it's a two horse um, race there. Yeah. 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 And uh, cave on's, time out is is what's hurting him but anyways regardless Devin Lloyd is a really really good player yeah um just eats up tackles for them they're leading tackler uh 20 tackles for a loss six sacks three interceptions um yeah he's a he's a beast for them uh that so that's worrisome uh he can be a game wrecker for sure i think he's the kind of the guy that you have circled that you want to try to avoid uh run to the other side um they do have nephi sewell at linebacker as well uh brother of penna and noah who's who's a very good player um uh not maybe quite the level of those two guys probably won't be a first round pick exactly but he's a very good college player uh very good pac 12 level player um and yeah just some good pieces overall on this defense uh micah tafua is an edge guy who's pretty good in pass rush um they've got a solid defense but it's not uh it's definitely not as good as i think that 2019 group was probably for them Mm -hmm. um i don't think that they have the same uh interior defensive linemen especially uh is my my kind of judgment of this group. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance for Oregon to get some push in there. I think that uh, Devin Lloyd and Nephi might kind of limit the more explosive runs. I don't know if you have numbers pulled up on that. I'm kind of going off of feel, but maybe you, you know what their explosive run. Um, uh, let me check. Actually. Do you know their stats on that or anything? Uh, no, what I do have is uh, like percent... Um, or like yards per run which right now is 5.9 mm. so that's decent uh yeah for reference organs is uh 5.5 so it's around the same idea um they are significantly better at home though uh, I'll, I'll be able yeah. to say that much um on yep the, yeah that that's the that's definitely a big story uh is utah has really good favorable splits at home uh i think that's i mean that's why the line is what it is we talked about you know i think oregon is probably in a lot of these books uh a one point favorite on a neutral field or something like that mm-hmm. um and i think it's interesting too because i i would say that oregon's one of the better road teams in this conference I mean, um yeah <laughs> the best road yeah. result in like conference history probably 
Um, so I think it's kind of a two, two-sided thing where Utah, maybe you give a little more benefit than you usually would at home, but then at the same time, Oregon's able to handle it a lot better than uh, some of the other teams in this conference would be able to. Mm-hmm. So um, and I mean, that will certainly be a factor. Yeah. Some nice things I can say about Utah, too, is that uh, they have been improving as the season goes on. Um, I don't realistically know... I mean, I think in the last few weeks you can say that about Oregon, but uh, our, obviously our best result happened in the week two, so anything short of that is always going to be disappointing, But or anything short of the dominance we came to expect very quickly. But um, I don't know. I think that they've just kind of been, you know, that loss to Oregon State is really bad. They played UCLA, who's kind of already out of it by then, like, and then Stanford and Arizona, two terrible teams in the last two weeks. Yeah, they've both been on the road, but let's be honest, like Stanford isn't really a tough environment and neither was Arizona. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm just kind of looking at their records and stuff like that. They're four and six against the spread. Ducks are five and five. That surprised me, but I guess a couple of those losses for Utah were actual losses. Um, like that's that's where the difference comes in. Overall, though, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm not – I. it's not just because we're playing them and it's not just because I'm a homer. Like, I'm not as bought into this Utah team being legit as a lot of other people are, specifically, like, around the conference. I mean, I think a lot of times Pac-12 people can kind of get – of which, you know, we include ourselves in that because we cover Pac-12 stuff. Um, we can kind of conflate – how good Pac-12 teams look against each other to how they, how good they actually are and how good they would be against, you know, teams from other conferences and things like this. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think you need to watch other games from around the country to sort of get context and even like literally compare how does this player look versus this guy or like how does this team look versus this team that I watched earlier today. Like, I don't know. That, yeah. It seems like they're using the reference points that I have from around college football, I'm just not as bought into this Utah team as other people are. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's my frustration too, especially with their, uh, a lot of people in this conference evaluation of Oregon. It's so many people say, Oh, this isn't a top 10 team or whatever. And it's like, well, y- y'all can't name the teams in the rest of the country that, <clears throat> that have looked better you know yeah um but i digress i guess um yeah i, mean, I we do brought this up agree. on the last pod like everyone is overrated except for georgia right yeah. um yeah so i i agree with you in general i mean i'll say like uh even though i feel that way kind of rationally it's it's a scary matchup still um yeah. We talked about the parallels to 2019 and stuff. I mean, this is just an opportunity for this team uh, that's pretty important. Um, I know a lot of guys, like, you know, I'm sure KT in his last year likely and um, die and everyone is, you know, really wants this to be a playoff year mm-hmm. uh, and kind of to break through and, and do accomplish the aspirations. Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, obviously. Um 
And, I mean, and so that is the specific it, like it, that's the explicit goal Mario has set for this team at the beginning of the year, lest we forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a group that you know talked about national championship aspirations with a straight face uh, at the media day that I was at. Like, I mm-hmm. this team really believed that stuff, um, and I think a lot of people kind of smirked at it early on, and and then they went to Ohio state and proved it um, and stumbled for a bit after that. Um, but ultimately they found themselves back here. Uh, and I mean, the, the uh, result last week and we didn't go back over it that much, but it gave me a lot of confidence. Uh, I think Washington state's a, a pretty good team in this conference. Um kind of close to you closer to utah than a lot of teams that oregon's than a lot of teams in this conference i think that they have a case to be third or fourth in this conference um recently uh or somewhere up there and and so oregon really dominated that game against wazoo i felt like on a rewatch especially um yeah and it just it does feel like oregon's starting to play its best ball Anthony Brown's been good uh, in three of the last four with with the UW game and the rain and bad conditions being the exception. Um, But this offensive line's doing so well. This defense feels like it's getting a little better. Um, It feels like a lot of the ingredients are there. Um, But at the same time, I think, how real does the playoff push feel to you? Because I've said it before, until this game... It goes final. I don't know if I'm going to fully kind of be bought into it uh, as the likely outcome exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good scale to put on it. I Something else I would say is that, like, I keep comparing it to this Arizona State game, even though I believe this Utah team is better than Arizona State, because if we lose this game, it's going to be a game we could have lost to a team the same caliber as Arizona State. Does that make sense? If we lose this game, mm-hmm. it's going to be because we it's going to be because we shot ourselves in the foot again. We did some stupid shit to give Utah some short fields or we just inexplicably lose the turnover battle, which by the way, Oregon's turnover margin this season plus 9, Utah's plus 2. Um there's just I'm I'm trying to dissect this Utah team and I just don't see Maybe it's that I see them as too similar of a team to Oregon, but like the talent advantage here. I mean, and let's look at what these teams did throughout this season. Like, I don't know, man. I think people are getting a little too caught up in Utah's results against Pac-12 teams, whereas ours have been a little bit underwhelming. Maybe theirs have been a little bit exaggerated. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, I think regarding the playoff, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I still like. As of re- as of recording time right now, I think our most likely outcome for this team is a Rose Bowl, um, and that's totally fine with me. But once this game goes final, if the Ducks are ahead, knock on wood again, um, then I'm ready to have serious playoff discussions. Yeah, yeah, um, I think. It does feel similar to this. The fact that the, that these two teams do feel similar uh, definitely is interesting. I mean, both are going to lean on the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, you look at 
you know, that pair of Devin Lloyd and Mike Tafua and you say, yeah, those guys are really good. At the same time, Kayvon Thibodeau and Noah Sewell, I'm probably going to go Ducks there. Um, uh, I mean, Lloyd, Devin Lloyd's been crazy, but at the same time, it's hard for me to pick against Noah Sewell against any linebacker, uh, almost. Yeah. In, in those single moments, he just has ridiculous physical talent um, and, and good instincts yeah. and, and, yeah, all of that. So I think... Um, yeah, it's it's a big game though. Um, the the road factor makes me really nervous. Um, to be honest, I think a lot more nervous than if this game was at home. Uh, well, of course, that's the big still, thing. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not super yeah. concerned about the road factor, but I digress. Yeah, I think the this Oregon team has faced a lot of road tests. Um, so you have that data on your side. I mean, going to UW, going to Columbus, obviously. Um, big games they played on the road, and this is another big one. UCLA um, was the other big one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think one thing that we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about was Cam Rising just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, their quarterback. We kind of mentioned he came in and and was plugged in and made some things click for this team. Um, all that's totally true. Uh, but at the same time, I also think, uh, there's a little bit of a, obviously there's a whole cult around him. Thick boy seven is, is what the Utah fans call him. It's six, two, two twenty. We'll learn you that. Um, it's, it's pretty funny and all of that, but you know, and, and he's a low four star guy coming out. Um, but he's not, despite his cult following and, and just kind of, I think, they've fallen in love with him. He's not an elite quarterback. Um, He's been good. uh, And maybe by PAC 12 standards, he's, he's good. Uh, But there's a lot of guys that take over him at the same time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's just worth mentioning, like, what is he really? Because some, I'm sure some fans have various perspectives on him. If you're on tw- Twitter or Utah Twitter, you might think that he's, you know, a dark horse Heisman candidate. <laughs> and if you're other places, you might be like, who is that guy? He's a scrub. And it's it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, he definitely was important to the turnaround of the season. But at the same time, is he going to be a, a complete difference maker out there? Uh, I don't I don't expect him to do that. I'm more worried about them establishing their run. Also in part because their their wide receiver core doesn't particularly scare me yeah. either. Yeah, the most recognizable name on that receiving core is Britton Covey. Um, mm-hmm. Short white dude, number 18. Um, the other guys, not not really doing a lot for me. They looks like they run a lot of 12 Um with their tight ends, Kincaid and Brent Keithy, who I think was around the last time we played them. Yeah. Um, and also Cole Fotheringham gets a lot of snaps as well at tight end. Uh, but yeah, they just, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this and like, it seems like they're a very balanced team. Like seems like they can run block pretty well. And like just kind of establish the run and do what they need to do on offense. But Man, I'm just not, I don't know, man. I'm not fully buying into the hype. Maybe it's because I haven't watched enough Utah. Maybe it's, maybe we'll get embarrassed 
uh, based on how little I know. But um, I don't know. In a lot of ways, it feels like this might be a kind of a bigger victory for Oregon rather than a like like a, it feels like we have a better chance of winning this game comfortably than we do losing it comfortably. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I think it's just about that snowball effect. If you go out and you throw an early pick six like Brown did against UW or whatever it is, again, knock on wood, but getting behind early is something you don't want to do in this game. Uh, Allowing Utah back into it like you did against Wazoo, you don't want to do. Um, you know, you got to play, play with some more poise in this game. Um, even, you know, what happened in UCLA early, you just don't want those things to happen. Um, yeah, we talked about why they happened. Then chip had a good scripted drive and all of that, which we probably don't expect that from Whittingham in the same (laughs) way. Um, I think would be fair to say, uh, yeah. yeah, it should be a fun one, though. Um, nationally, I know a lot of people are, are doubting the Ducks here. Uh, I think, you know, the discourse is just a, a lot of the national guys. Similar, I mean, I said the same thing, is that I, I don't know if I'll really believe in the playoff train until after this week. Not that I don't think it could happen, but just like I'm not going to really believe and buy in uh, until after this week. I think it would stop feeling like an uphill battle. But anyways, in the national discussion, I think a lot of people are discounting the Ducks in the playoff race. They they put us at three, but they kind of just assume that a loss is going to be there. And most people assume that it's going to be this week. Um, it's kind of a classic one where I, I think just a lot of people just assume this is Oregon's loss. Uh, and so I think it's going to be really interesting if whatever happens if, if the ducks can pull it off uh and kind of shift some of that national narrative it's also worth mentioning though that uh i can really only think of two teams who i can definitively say right now like belong in the playoff uh and that will you know i feel confident that they will be in the playoff and that's georgia and ohio state um bama obviously has a meeting with georgia that second loss is expected to knock them out of the playoff if it if it is a loss of course um Mm -hmm. cincinnati you know there's a whole that's a whole nother discussion i don't even want to get into but there's certainly not a lock as is or even winning out um both the michigan schools you know the michigan schools and ohio state all still have to play each other so we're gonna see what happens there in the next two weeks um i mean i mean i'll say even i i don't even put ohio state in that category i think ohio state's really good but they arguably they have, have the hard... hardest two games in the country in the next two weeks. Yeah, and and they follow it up with probably playing a Wisconsin team that's playing good ball now. I mean, FPI, not perfect, obviously, but it has them 10th. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you know, that is not a gimme game for them. Um, and, obviously, everyone knows about Michigan State and at Michigan – I still think there's there is absolutely a you know chance. what do you want to call it forty percent thirty percent chance yeah. that they lose one of those games like that's you, you're not going to tell me that there's a nine ninety percent chance in every game that they win. Yeah, uh, Utah is the Wisconsin of the Pac-12 South. 
Yeah, probably. Probably that's probably a fair comparison. Especially actually. this year, man. Starting off with a losing record in your first few games, come back, have some yeah. good performances against teams you should be beating on paper. Why not? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's actually a really good point, um, and that tells you that what Oregon's playing Utah twice, and that's clearly their hardest game. Not only left, but really since Ohio State, it feels like people think. Uh, and Ohio State, on the other hand, has two games that are both considered harder than Wisconsin. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, could, I wouldn't lock the Buckeyes in either. And personally, I'm, I'm not rooting for the Buckeyes to win out and get in. I know some Ducks fans are. I know some Ducks fans just want Oregon to have a better resume. Um, I'm not worried about Oregon's chances to make a playoff. Uh, and frankly, even though I, we've talked about and relitigated the Oregon Ohio State game, and I still feel like Oregon would have a good shot in that game, uh, and can win that game. Ohio State is good, man. Um, yes, we beat them once, but they've definitely improved if, more than we have. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I, but I also just think like if you don't have to face Ohio State. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you want to? I would rather play. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I would rather play every. I'd rather play every team except for Georgia, probably. Um, Maybe Bama's close. Yeah, it's arguable with Ohio State. Outside of that, though, give me Oklahoma State. Oh, you know, I want all the smoke from the rest of the field. I want all the smoke from Cincinnati. Like, bring it on. I wouldn't want to play Um, that game just because of perception purposes. Like, there's no good that can come from that but uh yeah I, oh I, I don't care i don't care Dude, you give me care. Cincinnati. If, we, if we lost to cincinnati we would never hear the yeah but but i would still i would still take cincy you know oh, I mean, semis matchup wise yeah like well know. regardless but the the broader point though is like look if ohio here's why you root for an ohio state loss if ohio state loses and Georgia beats Alabama, Oregon is guaranteed a very winnable semifinal game. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Or they are. Like, we're pretty much guaranteed uh, number... Well, we're guaranteed... I'll still say two or three, because although, you know, it's easy to just say we would get bumped up, like, one of the Michigan schools would have had to beat Ohio State, and then, assuming they can beat Wisconsin, uh, um, I mean, who cares? Who cares if we're yeah, two, we'd or three? two or three? Yeah, we'd be two or three if Ohio State and Bama lose. As long as you avoid, like, if you, that's the thing that's so weird. I mean, credit to Oregon because they created this chaos by beating Ohio State. Yeah. And by not having them locked into a spot. Um, but if these, if, if Ohio State loses and Georgia handles business against Bama, this is so different than past playoff years where um, it's just been, oh, hey, let's let's try to get in and then we can get blown out by either <laughs> Bama, Ohio State, or Clemson. Yeah. You know, that's what it was in, I mean, or, or LSU in 2019. Like, that's what it was in 2019. It's like, let's pray for the four spot. Yeah. And then, you know, stay within 20, hopefully, against LSU. <laughs> um, but this year is not like that. Uh, if you avoid Georgia, it's like you could get into a playoff and have 
a realistic chance of making a final. And then once you make a final, I mean, it, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But, you know, anything if you make happen. a final, anything obviously happen. anything can happen in a one-game scenario. Yeah. yeah, you're right, though. We are getting way ahead of ourselves. I said we would hold off yeah. playoff talk till next week, and then we proceeded to do, like, 15 minutes of it. But, um, anyways. So easy to get sucked in. Yeah, it, it really is. God, this shit is toxic. Um, maybe I am <laughs> for going back to BCS after this. Uh so overall score prediction for this Utah game so we can stop talking about it. Uh also because I forgot to lead with it. Um well two things before we do score prediction. One, Kyle Whittingham is coach of the year in the Pac twelve, correct? Like he's he's locked into that. Is he? He is, dude. The player death, like Aaron Lowe's death, RIP. He he Yeah. Gotta be. Division title. He's got it. Unless they I don't blow know, dude. unless they blow somehow blow this like ninety five percent chance of winning the division at this point. Are you thinking Cristobal? Is he the only other one in the running? Uh Jonathan Smith's in the running too, I think. Okay. Um uh, that's fair. He could have been more in the running, especially if he'd if if he, if if the Beavs didn't blow that game against Colorado, <laughs> they're playing for their eighth win. Like that would have been crazy. I think he would have had a great chance. Uh, they'd be playing for their eighth win this weekend. Yeah. Um, but regardless, yeah, I think Witt has has a good chance, like you said. But, I mean, I'd also say I think people are sleeping so hard on Cristobal. I just think it's – They are, but, I mean, this is what always happens, right, with these end-of-season awards. Yeah. Nobody votes for Oregon because they're all salty they got beat by Oregon. We saw it yeah, two yeah. years ago, and we saw it last year, and we're probably going to see it again this year. So, yep, 100%. The other thing I needed uh, to mention before we do mm-hmm. predictions, uh, these gray uniforms, man, for Utah listeners, if you haven't looked at them yet, go look at them just for the sake of discussion here. I really don't – like I, everyone who sees them that isn't an Oregon fan seems to think they're like the coolest things ever. Where do you fall on these? Because I think they're kind of mid. Yeah, I just don't like the detailing very much. I just don't think they're very clean. Uh, I'm a fan of gray uniforms in general. I loved the grays that Oregon played uh, War vs. Cal last year. Yeah. Um, but I don't really, I don't really like these uniforms for Utah very much. They're fine. It's kind of weird though. Um, well, now I sound really uh, hypocritical, <laughs> but. I'll I'll just go through with my sentence. I think it's kind of weird when people <laughs> wear uniforms in big games that don't look like their <laughs> brand at all. But <laughs> yikes! <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the difference is that that is Oregon's brand when Oregon yes. does it. Oregon's brand is that they wear different stuff. It's kind of weird for Utah to do it. Yeah, especially with because these helmets, not, man. Yeah. These helmets are really <laughs> something else. Um, yeah. They got, like, the USS Utah or whatever. USS Salt Lake, I don't remember what it's called. Some, like, Navy ship on there. Uh, if you haven't looked at a map in a while, Utah is a landlocked state. I checked it today. It's still landlocked. There's still no boats. Um, at least none that size. Because, I mean, there's a lake, I guess, but... <laughs> um all right predictions what are you thinking for this one 
spread, as I mentioned, three points to U- or three points for Utah, and the uh, total is fifty nine. Which, if we can do our math quicker than usual, is what twenty six. Thirty one twenty eight. Oh, thirty one twenty eight. No, yeah, wait. Be 40. No, you're right. You're right. Wait, no, you're not. Yes. You yeah, are. I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> the daily best, best, two, <laughs> best two minutes of every podcast oh, God. um 31 28 utah yeah i think um mm, i'm kind of feeling like 35 24 oregon okay i think it's going to be close i think it's going to be close the whole way but I think the Ducks will kind of be able to keep them at, at arm's distance a little bit uh, is how I'm feeling about Thinking it. like a pick six to cover at the or reverse cover at the end. Um, <laughs> I'm here for it. I don't know, man. Like, I can't not think about the 2019 game. I know I, I shouldn't keep coming back to this because they're both different teams. But in all honesty, like, Utah was favored by how much in that game? Like, like a touchdown or more it was like two touchdowns in the pack mm, the 2019 game. utah game yeah yeah it's like 10 points yeah they were fi- oh, and we God, won i want to look up that line 37 to 15 was the final score because we kicked a bunch of field goals we kicked like three or four field goals it was, it was very uncharacteristic and they had a two-point conversion to make it uh to make it 15 I would love to give a throwback and just call like 38-14 ducks, but I'll give them I'll give them a little I'll, I'll say 38 to 20 Oregon. I'm very confident heading into this game. More confident than I'm I'm sure I should be. But it is what it is. Have you found that line yet? No, I'm trying to find it. I can't find it. Though. I swear it was Probably like 13 right or points. something. It was big. Um yeah, I'll keep I'll keep poking around while we talk. Do we want to move into? Uh, oh, oh! Quickly, I should plug. Uh, again, I'm gonna do a second talk with one of the NTS people, Greg. Right. Uh, no truck stops. Uh, gonna record that. Um, yeah. Probably have it up by Thursday uh, morning for y'all. So that'll be fun. Kind of deep dive. Same thing I did with Carlos. Uh, those guys are awesome. Uh, great podcast that y'all should check out and it will be fun to kind of go in depth with someone who really knows utah so so check that out uh when that drops yeah day after you're listening to this probably definitely um also pretty much all the injury and availability information i've gathered this week comes from jared denny at scoop duck great guy uh as always we plug scoop duck go check it out um it's your pretty much your quickest best source for Oregon news and chatter in general. Um, there was something else I was going to plug a sec. Oh, I read uh, Hithel Day's film review. The last Wazoo game is up. Go check that out. Really in-depth stuff as always. Um, again, it kind of reconfirmed some notions that I had. we had about the game. Like, Ducks were a lot more dominant than it looked like. A lot of Wazoo's like, yardage came on just chunk plays that are usually un- – is anomalic a word anomaly like is that how you say that <laughs> um you know lots of chunk yardage on drop plays and garbage time stuff like that so uh go check it out it gives a more holistic view of how that game went um and yeah 
All right, you ready to move on to some Pac-12 picks? Yeah, I did find the spread on that. It was it was six and a half for six Utah. Half. Uh, okay, so that's from some article in the middle of the week, so it could have fit close somewhere else. But yeah, six and a half was what I saw. Nice, and I mean we again dominated that game. It was not close. Um, it could have been a fifty piece if we didn't have to settle oh. for a couple field goals. What an what a glorious day. Honestly, yeah. Um, the okay, I have one more thing to say about this regarding expectations, right? And it's something we've kind of already said before, but like, you guys, winning the conference and going to the Rose Bowl is not that bad, considering the amount sheer like just total number of injuries this squad has had, and in the most some of the most important places as well. Um, also considering like the quarterback situation, like you're allowed to take these things into consideration when you evaluate a team and its performance throughout the year. Um, and remember how we felt after that Arizona state loss, it was almost like a breath of fresh air. We were like, okay, we don't have to deal with this playoff bullshit anymore. We just <laughs> kind of sit back and like, just worry about the games that are directly in front of us. Like let's beat the Beavers. And let's win the damn Rose bowl. And that's what we did. So there's no reason that if we if we lose this game, uh, that we still can't be happy about how the rest of this goes. That's all I have. To yeah, say. let's 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 deal with that stuff after the game, man. If it comes to it. Yeah. But right now, I will also say hedge. this. Yeah, I I I respect the emotional <laughs> hedge, but also playoffs would be big this year. It is a little different in that respect. I think. Uh, yeah. You know, for that for that group. The Rose Bowl was an awesome accomplishment. All you know, four and eight to twelve and two Rose Bowl champs, all of that stuff. Uh, it was an amazing year. At the same time, fields open and you know to make a playoff, and also just like you know, I, I do think a playoff means a lot. And in, in recruiting, I think it would mean a lot um, for the Pac-12 perception, just to say a team can actually get in from this conference and we're playing real football because we've been left out of the national conversation for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Oregon being the one to do it obviously Mm -hmm. helps them even more. Um, Anyways, let's, let's move on to our picks. I feel like we've, we've hit this thing. Uh, Instead of wasting people's time with our commentary, let's waste their time with our (laughs) atrocious picks against the spread. for those who maybe aren't as familiar with uh, how we do this as, as some others are, we've been picking these Pac-12 slates since week four, um, every game but the Duck games through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Our records are dog shit. Um, I started off three and two in my first week, and I haven't had a single positive week since then. Um so yeah, it's been bad, but uh, let's get through this. Screw it. Um, first game, you want to start with the Friday game? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, what's the line on this guy? 14 and a half for the kooks? Is that what you have? Uh, I do not. Oh, damn it. This site doesn't have the lines on it. Great. Um, I'm. Yeah, we can just roll with that. Uh, yeah, I've got them just up via ESPN. Um, I can read them off as we go. That would be yeah, fantastic. I'll. I will go. This is I'll Wazoo at Arizona State, or is it Arizona or Arizona at Wazoo? Right. Arizona at Wazoo Friday night. Six Cougs favored by fourteen and a half, and I will take the Cougs. Yeah. Yeah, I will as well. 
Um, Arizona's somewhat decent performance against Utah is the only reason this is within like three touchdowns. Um, I I am also taking the Cubs. Next to start off Saturday, we got a noon game. Huskies traveling to Folsom Field, Colorado, uh, Boulder, Colorado, and the Huskies are favored by six and a half. I'm going to go with the Buffs. I am also going to go with the Buffs. This is, okay, so here's the scenario for Washington right now, right? Uh, This team is four and six so far, and for those of you who are decent at math, you understand that that means they need to win out the rest of their two games to make a bowl. Um, usually not something people are super worried about, but as 2016 Duck fans remember, it can, you know, it can be something, anything to root for at the end, especially when you know your coach is on the way out. Um, I mean, I would love for their hopes to be squashed in the Apple Cup, but I would honestly love it even more if it happened this week. So, um, I don't see why Colorado can't win this game. Give me the buffs. Love it. Uh, Moving on, 1 p.m. Pacific time. uh, Fun rivalry matchup against UCLA and USC. Uh, Something that Carlos from No No Truck Stops tried to convince you was the best rivalry in the Pac-12. Not true. Horrific take. Herocious. I am going to go with the Bruins. Uh, they're three points. Uh, the Bruins are three point favorites. Um, and, mm -hmm. and USC also fighting for bowl games. They have UCLA, BYU, and then the rescheduled game at Cal remaining on their schedule. And they're four and five. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, I would, I would like to pick UCLA, but I think I'm going to go with the Trojans in this one. Um, again, the bowl eligibility comes in here for me. UCLA just became bowl eligible last week. They got their sixth win. Um, mm-hmm. So now, I mean, Chip is just playing for pride, and uh, he doesn't always do so well when that happens, even if he has a decent track record against USC. Um or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But it seems like they're always in that game with him. Give me, give me the Trojans. Screw it. Okay. Um, next, 4 p.m., we've got California versus Stanford, or at Stanford. Um, the game. Uh, yep, the game. Dude, I am... I have no idea what to pick on this one. <laughs> Do you have any feel here? I don't even know the availability situation with McKee and uh, I don't know the roster. deal with anyone. But yeah, I haven't been. I just have not been following it that closely. Me neither. Apparently, we did spread some misinformation. Like it wasn't a bunch of false positives. There were like real positives. Um, COVID tests. That is. How's <laughs> a one and a half point favorite in this one? Jesus, this is ugly. Um, give me, give me Stanford. God, these might be the two worst teams in the Pac-12, as currently constructed with like availability taken into account. 
Oh, God, that's bad. Give me Stanford, though, with the points. Uh, I'll take... <laughs> you can't pick no ones. <laughs> yeah, if, if you are actually betting on this game, see <laughs> Kelp. And not from us, because we won't help you. <laughs> uh, I'll do. I'm just gonna go Stanford too. I don't. I'm not gonna go against you on this one. And shot in the dark. I don't need to do it. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the final game, as mentioned before, Arizona State at Oregon State. Um, this is a great game, and it's a little bit of a shame that it'll get so overshadowed by uh, our game. But regardless. Um, well, this one's a little later is the nice thing. Yeah, yeah, this is after dark game. Um, Arizona State three-point favorite. Mm. And the Beavers already clinched. Both, both these teams are going bowling. Um, I don't know. I think I'll take Oregon State as the home underdog. Yeah, I'll take the Bees as well. So what is our our big disagreement, just UCLA USC? Yeah, and for that reason, I'm gonna flip to Arizona State. I just need I need a little more difference, you know what I mean? So I'll flip to Arizona <laughs> State instead of OSU. Right um, what's my lead right now? Uh, <laughs> your record is 13 and 22, and mine is 10 and 25. So I need to start. Let's go. I need to start making some differences up uh, before we're 15. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Um, what else are we gonna talk about? <laughs> the picks are. Uh, I think. I think just the the national slate, real quick. Yeah, let's let's run down. Um, unfortunately, I can't sit on my ass all day. Uh, on Saturday, so I might what? miss like. Well, I'm I'm doing like a family thing in the middle of the day, but I know I'll be mm. able to watch like the early game, and I know I'll be able to be back in time for the Oregon game so that's what's important yeah I'm actually going to be back in the state of Oregon for this slate oh sweet and and going to the beef game officially um oh really that's fun yeah yeah so that'll be fun I'll be in Eugene maybe I'll bump into any listeners at a tailgate well we shall see um anyways this weekend slate of games um I mean Friday night well what no i I thought we were gonna start saturday but go ahead we can do friday well yeah i was just gonna say memphis houston has some implications (laughs) for the uh american and who will play cincy Mm -hmm. um quick mention of that uh anyways on saturday (laughs) they're real interesting stuff um 9 a.m starts with michigan state ohio state number seven versus number four Buckeyes, do you know the line on this one? Uh, I can guess like a touchdown, but I'm Googling it right now, and it is oh, 19. Oh, daddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not a touchdown. That was a pretty terrible guess, apparently. Um, all right. Well, I think we know where the uh, public stands on that one then. Um, Charleston Southern at Georgia. Big week, Big SEC Cupcake Week. Um Usually yeah. it's called SoCon Saturday because they play like a bunch of Southern Conference teams, but that's not the case anymore. It's just all over the map. Um, let's see. You got a mighty Prairie View A&M taking on in-state rival Texas A&M. 
uh, I guess that's a battle to see who the best team in Texas is outside of Baylor. Um, Tennessee State, Mississippi State. Oh, of course. I, I think the matchup we're all really looking forward to is UMass at Army. Um, that's going to be a riveting one. Uh, Wake Forest at Clemson, actually, is the other good 9 a.m. game. Jesus, I finally found one. As as is Iowa State, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, that's a good go. one. Okay, so there's your three screens right there. Uh, do you know Do you know the line on Iowa State, Oklahoma? You want to guess that one? Uh, oh, it's got to be Oklahoma by more than I expected. Pro what? <laughs> Four points? <laughs> oh, God. I'm taking Oklahoma with that. I might actually bet on that, dude. I mean, Oklahoma's bad, but they're not, like, bad, bad. They're better than Iowa State, and they're at home. I can We shall see. I guess we will. Um, um, Wake, Clemson, do you know the line on that? You want to guess that? At uh, Clemson. I was, I was looking this up earlier. It's, like, three or four to Clemson. Yeah. Uh, four and a half, yeah. Um. You know what's funny, Reed? Is so I, I was looking at like conference championship races earlier today, and um, the Big Ten West is just like crazy. We've been following this for a little bit now. You got like Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, all have a shot. You know who else is technically still alive in the Big Ten West? Who? Illinois. <laughs> I would love. Let's go. Nothing more than for Illinois to beat Iowa. Um, and they, they obviously need a ton of help for this to actually happen, but for Illinois to represent the big 10 in the big 10 championship game, that would be just beautiful. Absolutely. It's pretty, it's pretty unlikely. It looks like it's, but. it's like a less than 0.1% chance, but, um, it's not a mathematical, um, certainty yet that they're eliminated. So, uh, that could develop into a meme or something. Uh, let's move to some later games. You got SMU at Cincinnati. This is a huge one. This will be one of Cincinnati's biggest tests for the rest of the year. Um, yep. I don't know what the spread is, but I do know SMU is eight and two and was ranked at one point this season. So, yep, an eleven and a half point favorite Cincinnati. Nice, nice. Um, and it's Arkansas, huge. Bama. Yeah, Arkansas, oh. Bama is good. Yeah. Um, what else we got in that that middle slate twelve thirty? Yeah, I'll I'll say on Arkansas Bama. I I think I'm interested to watch that one. Uh, I'm not going to call out an upset or anything. Bama's favored by twenty one, probably for a reason. Uh, but at the same time, I do remember back when we were when Arkansas looked like a pretty good team, um, and I wouldn't dismiss their ability to kind of dust themselves off and get up for one more big game here maybe mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i just wouldn't i wouldn't dismiss it they had the rough stretch against using blown out by georgia lose close game to miss old miss lose by a little more to auburn but yeah. i don't know crazier things have happened definitely uh we got michigan at maryland maybe something crazy happens there uh, UCLA at USC starts at one on Big Fox. Um, oh, it looks like I'm not missing too much in this middle slate here. Uh, maybe Auburn loses to South Carolina. That would be funny. One four. one line that really surprised me was Baylor Kansas State. Um, Baylor at Kansas State is it single digits? Yeah. It's a pick 'em. What? What the hell? No. 
lot of respect for a lot of respect for Kansas State somehow. Jeez, man. See, um, this is why and, top twenty-five is so damn toxic. Because uh, you, if you put a number next to Kansas State's name, it would probably be in like the the forties or thirties, I would think, right? Um, yeah, not, like higher than that. So I don't know. Uh, they had a. I'm just looking at their schedule, and and basically the story is they just had a three game losing streak from weeks three to six, where they lose to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State back to back to back. And they played some of those games pretty close, uh, notably the Oklahoma game. They were finished within a touchdown, um, but they've won everything else. So, yeah, it's interesting. Played well against bad teams. Played, you know, lost games to the good teams. Yeah, that's um, a good. That's a good catch. I'm glad you threw that out there. Uh, not seeing a Oklahoma whole State, else. Texas Tech, same time as Oregon, Utah. That'll be just interesting to see if anything. Yeah. Funky happens there. Don't really expect it. Honestly, hope there isn't because I'm excited for Oklahoma State, Oklahoma Bedlam. Um, although I will be rooting for an Oklahoma loss. It's like of course. standard practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you could tell your grandchildren about it before the next one happens. What um, about, let, let's go back to Michigan State, Ohio State for a second. Are you with me rooting for Michigan State or how do you feel about that? I mean... I'd be lying if I said my heart didn't want Michigan State to win this game, but honestly, like, I just don't really care. <laughs> I, I'm perfectly, like, we've been over this point before, like, as long as Oregon takes care of business, the playoff will take care of itself. So I'm just rooting for an entertaining game, honestly. Um, and, yeah, it would be fun if, if Sparty pulled off that upset. But, yeah, um, I don't know, I guess for technical purposes i i guess i should root for ohio state yeah yeah well i i disagree that's fine Um, it's not that important though hey quick question on playoff stuff now that it seems like the uh your second team the georgia bulldogs are pretty much guaranteed uh to make it to uh to to atlanta 12 and 0 Uh, (laughs) um But what do you think about if they lose to Bama? They're uh, in. One, easy question at the end. Two, where are they? Is Are they a lock top two seed? I kind of think they might be. Uh, yeah, I think so. Depends how that game goes. But, but I'm kind of assuming that they won't get blown out by Bama because that would just be pretty surprising. They're... Obviously, if you create a world where they lose 50 to nothing could be lower than that yeah they could drop out but that's just that's unrealistic seems very unrealistic um yeah i was thinking about this earlier today if bama wins they're one obviously um right ohio state depending on it, it depends on ohio state um and on oregon honestly if oregon somehow blows out these last like three games uh two games in the regular season and then the championship game if we blow those out blow those teams out of the water then maybe we make it up to two maybe we leap georgia in this hypothetical scenario um i would I say don't the think same georgia's for... fallen to four though or they could maybe if i, mean, I guess I guess they could if Oregon and Ohio uh, you know, State. I'm early. with you though. I don't think they fall that far. I think if they lose that game to Bama in again in this scenario, uh, 
I think they would be two or three. Probably two, though. Yeah. Because I don't, yeah, I I lean don't see on, a way. I lean it's... that they'd just be two. Yeah. Yeah. They've been so dominant all year, man. Um, yeah. It's been so much fun to watch. Okay, I also quick rant on playoff expansion. This stuff is so much more fun having a four-team playoff right now. Like what we just said about yeah, okay, it looks like Ban- it looks like Georgia's in, but pretty much everyone else is not like better than a sixty percent chance to make the playoff. Maybe Ohio State, you have slightly better, but I don't. Um, that's pretty cool. Three weeks left. Yeah. We don't yeah. know anything about the playoff field except for Georgia. Imagine if Oregon... Well, it's highly entertaining. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Four and no more. All right. <laughs> we don't need to get into it. Um, but in principle, I agree with you. Like, yeah, it is it is fun. I mentioned earlier, like, yeah, the, the, the playoff expansion would have its pros and cons. Um but I think in order to actually evaluate the validity of a hypothetical system, we need to wait until the dust settles with this regular season and conference title week. Um, yeah, fair enough. And we will certainly do that when the dust does settle. But as of now, it's whatever. I just want to fucking win. <laughs> I just want to beat Utah and shut up all those people. Agreed. Agreed. Except Greg. Uh, he's cool so check him out too. yes um all right man you got anything else before we wrap this thing up i think we're ready to head out of here pretty much nice. um yeah we got more preview content coming uh with my talk with greg uh, which i haven't done yet but will be fun uh and yeah check out scoop duck you know all the usual plugs yep. five star review all that stuff yeah, please do that. Portland Timbers play a playoff game this weekend on Sunday at 2.30. Yeah. Go check that out, man. I, I don't talk about soccer as much as I want to on this pod. And I won't because I know you guys hate it. But I will plug the Timbers playoff game that's happening. Um, so, yeah, go check that out. I think it's on national TV, whatever, ESPN or something. So, yeah. Um, all right, man. Good episode. That was probably our most in-depth preview that we've done this year, even maybe more so than Ohio State. Like, usually it's just us saying, yeah, we're more talented across the board. We should beat these guys <laughs> everywhere. Uh, but that was that was fun to do an actual preview of the team. <laughs> yep, yep. It definitely was. Um, excited for for the next time we're talking, whatever it is, to this will be a big game. We've been looking forward to it for a long time. That almost feels like the Ohio State game, not quite, but kind of just like had it circled for so long. It's going to feel weird to f- actually get on a call with you and, and dissect this thing and, and actually have some reaction to it rather than just previewing and prediction that we've been thinking about for so long. Exactly, yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, but as of now, we'll sign off and let you all enjoy the rest of your days. So, uh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter at DucksPod. Send us questions or anything. Five stars review. Five star reviews are appreciated. And go Ducks. Go Ducks.